And welcome in to this week's edition of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside my teammate, Mr. Ben Metz. And uh, we're excited to be here for for episode five, but it's the first episode of 2022. Pretty excited about that. But but Ben, really uh, kind of a a new start. Uh, Of course, uh, Tennessee uh, victorious there to finish off 2022, uh, but looking really exciting. Uh, looking excited ahead to uh, to 2023, and uh, the basketball balls are keeping us hot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, today marks the 24th anniversary of the uh, national championship. So uh, happy uh, 24th anniversary to you, Wayne. That's too long, man. That's too long ago. But yeah, yeah, good uh, good deal on that. Yeah, January 4th, 1999. Uh, where were you? Uh, and uh, I can tell you where I was. Uh, I was I was nervous as a as a, I'll just say a lot of things. There's a lot of uh, little connections I can make, but uh, none of them probably approved for a YouTube channel. But uh, but Ben, a lot to talk about today. Like I said, Tennessee basketball. Uh, they've done a lot of nice things. They've started conference play. You know. uh, they've of course uh, done some nice things against pretty good competition. Mississippi State uh, with 11 and two coming into Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, they left eleven and three, and and quite frankly, with their were tail tag between their legs. I mean, they they got thrashed uh, in in their uh, their first, I guess, true road test in the SEC, and uh, just just really good look for for the Vols. Yeah, they had a you know a, a dominant game. Um, they recorded their fourth highest field goal percentage in program history, sixty nine point two percent, and. Uh, 76% from the field. These guys just could not miss. And there were three players uh, down in the post uh, that went five for five from the field. So it was it was reassuring to see that. And it's reassuring to see uh, Vescovy um, have the performance that he's had the past couple of weeks. You know, he got 37 minutes in the game against Ole Miss, got 22 points. He gets out in this ball game, has – Similar minutes, 26 minutes, gets 14 total points, um, four for eight from three-point land. So, Vescovy's hot. We've got some post-play going on. I love it. Well, what I liked was Zakai Ziegler, literally, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of places he couldn't hit uh, from uh, last night. Uh, he, of course, had his first double-double in, in Big Orange country and uh, uh, had a really solid night, uh, but probably the one of the two biggest things that that I took away from last night was two things. Uh, one, uh, Triple J is back, and so I think that's huge for Tennessee basketball. Just being able to have that option at the at the scoring position, uh, that's number one. And then number two, uh, you, you know, Euros Plavsic, uh, he's still going to be uh, he's still going to be kind of enforcer. He's still going to bang around a little bit, but some of those quote unquote WWE antics. Uh, that he carried out of 2022, uh, looks like he might have left them behind. Yeah, and uh, you talked about Zakai Ziegler and the feat that he achieved becoming the 15th ball in program history to record that uh, feat, uh, joining guys like Jordan Bone, Lamonte Turner, and, of course, Kennedy Chandler. But you talked about Triple J coming back and the importance of him, and we've talked about that on previous shows one stat that just really stands out to me is the plus-minus stat. A lot of folks don't realize that that plus-minus stat, um, basically, it doesn't result in points. Uh, when you see a plus-minus 14 like what what he has up to this point in the season, this is a guy that is plus 14, which tells me that when he's in the ball game, that he's making points, he's adding points to his performance and helping support the team become successful. So good to have him back. Yeah, and legitimately he had 17 minutes, eight points, four assists. Uh, so in, in my in my estimation, uh, that that's really if we can get eight points and four assists on 17 minutes out of him, night in and night out. I know it doesn't help his NBA stock so much, but I think it helps his basketball team. And I think ultimately uh, that's what you need in college basketball. It's not about 
Uh, it's not about the big three like it is in the NBA. It's not about uh, what can you do uh, in, in free agency. It's about having a hot shooter every night, no matter who it is on the floor. Right. And, uh, you know, he had one of the seven steals, and we talked about it two shows ago, about how important he is on defense, how he averages almost the two steals per game. So uh, it's great to have him back. What I loved about this uh, this output for, for the entire team was, and now granted, in the second half, uh, really a dismantling of Mississippi State. Again, no, no, nothing against that team, really. It just it couldn't have been a tale of two teams going in opposite directions. And what I mean by that is Tennessee shot near 70% from the floor, nearly 50, I think 56% from three-point land. Uh, and, then, and then Mississippi State maybe had their worst shooting night of the year. Uh, really in the dumps all through the game. Really could have been, I mean, it could have been 80-something to 30. I mean, really, late in that game, there was uh, they still had starters in. We were subbing out, and so it really allowed them to, to kind of close that. It, it was well more broad than the, the final score gave us. Yeah, and Thompson Bowling Arena, um, it's, not, it's not an easy place to play on the road uh, from an SEC perspective. You know, we – We've uh, extended our home streak now to 24 games with with Tuesday's victory. Um, so whenever you play on the road uh, in the SEC, it, it's extremely difficult. Um, I had a friend that uh, was a was a was a players coach uh, for um, Buzz for Coach Buzz for Buzzball. Buzz Ball. Buzz said, "Yeah," and he said when he when they'd go on the road at Florida, the locker room was connected to the aquatic center. So that game, the infamous game where Bruce Pearl comes out of the locker room and he's, he's sweating, he was sweating because the heat coming into the locker room um, from the aquatic center, they share the same locker room. So whenever you play on the road, um, that, that sometimes adds to, to the difficulty of shooting the basketball. And let's not forget that, that Mississippi State lost the previous two games. They lost to Drake and Alabama. Um, so uh, they're on a three-game skid right now. And the only real opponent they played this season was Utah, um, and that was a 52-49, and Deshaun Davis had 18 points, but only six turnovers for the team in that game. You know, what the, the point I was trying to make, and I kind of got, got off on a tangent, uh, but, but it was no player crested that 30-minute mark. You know, I think sometimes when you're, uh, you know, I don't want to say a one-trick pony, but when you have a starting five and not much behind it, there's a couple guys that literally – They've got a, you know, they they run out of gas early in games. So I don't think we had to push that envelope. Is what I'm trying to say. Two and zero in SEC play, and really not putting a ton of minutes on some of our bigger scores. Now, some would argue we still rely heavily on a on a Vescovy, uh, on a Phillips, on a, a, a Zakai Ziegler to score the basketball. But to me, inside out basketball. Uh, really pushes the point guard to, to have that responsibility. So to me, you get Adu, you get uh, Euros, you get uh, uh, Kumwa uh, to give you about eight to ten apiece and let the, let the, the big dogs eat, let the shooters kind of kind of crest more of those 18 to 22 points. That's basketball right now. That's, that's the college game right now. So to me, we're right in the wheelhouse of where we need to be. We've just got to clean some things up. Again, I, I don't think Ole Miss or Mississippi State – is, is by by any stretch the the top of the conference uh, nor the top of, of NCAA basketball but I do think uh, they're a good measuring stick that uh, you know it's like football beat who you're supposed to beat that way when you play the 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 perennials uh, you know the Kentuckys and such uh, you've got uh, you've got a resume that, that makes that a big matchup yeah two stats to get Tennessee fans really excited about you talked about it Wayne Adu. You know, in the uh, Ole Miss game, he had 13, uh, 13 of the 38 rebounds. And then in this ball game, he had five of those rebounds. They collectively had 34 total rebounds. You talked about Kemwa, four for eight from the field against Ole Miss. And then he comes out and he has a ball game like he had the other night, five for five from the field. He had four fouls, so we didn't see a lot of minutes after he got in a little bit of foul trouble. But I tell you what, a lot to be excited about Tennessee basketball right now. Yeah, and I think there's uh, there's just more on the horizon. Of course, uh, you know we talk about it. Uh, Mississippi State was yesterday, uh, but right on the heels of that, we've got South Carolina on the road, uh, kind of making that uh, that opening. 
then we've got Vandy next Tuesday. So those two games are going to be huge before our next podcast. Uh, really, that needs to be two wins. Uh, I know uh, Coach at Vandy's really beginning to recruit a little bit better, uh, but I still think it's a, it's a team that we should be able to take care of. Again, it's in Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, really need to go to South Carolina, not keep that very close at all. Uh, but but as you win games in conference, uh, you get that you get that mark on your back. And so I think Tennessee they don't they don't need to walk into any arena expecting to win, uh, but they need to put forty minutes of basketball together that that makes that not an issue. Yeah, that game's down in South Carolina. Vols fans show up in numbers for this for this upcoming ball game. South Carolina is coming off a difficult overtime loss. 83-79 to Vanderbilt. Their big players, the freshman uh, forward, Gregory Jackson. He averages about 40 minutes, had 13 points in that game, so hopefully we'll D it up um, and, and get a big win down there in South Carolina. We can only hope. Uh, again, I know, your, I know your love affair with Vanderbilt uh, <laughs> ended. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's go ahead and take care of business because next Saturday uh, we do have the Cats in Knoxville, so uh, we'll see what uh, – what old Big Blue brings to Knoxville. I know it's going to be a slugfest. Uh, always is. But, uh, but Ben, kind of to wrap up a little bit, background shows football, so we're going to talk some football definitely on today's show. Uh, but bowl season, uh, yeah, I think in general, uh, if you ask me, if you ask a lot of people that's, that's, that's watched bowl games this season, uh, underwhelmed, uh, less than stellar, um, games that didn't bring in a whole lot of interest, those are ways you explain this bowl season, not uh, what the New Year Six gave us. So uh, bowl season really complete all but for the championship game. But my question to you, did the New Year Six bowl games, because there was some quality football in those, uh, did they redeem the rest of bowl season? So I struggle um, to say that they did um, just, just because the way the bowl season ended with the LSU and the and the Purdue game, um, you know, Purdue was completely annihilated. But the reason they were annihilated, you know, you had the coaching change where Jeff Brom left. He goes to Louisville. Brian Brom takes over. There were six key players for the Purdue offense and defense combined that opted out of playing in that ball game. Aiden O'Connell, their quarterback, was out. Their big wide receiver, Charlie Jones, out. Payne Durham, tight end, out. I can go on and on. And when you take those guys out of the ball game and you're facing Jaden Daniels and you're facing Garrett um, Newsman at, uh, at quarterback against LSU, the difference is 263 yards of total offense for Purdue versus 594 for LSU. Three turnovers for Purdue in that ball game, one by each of their quarterbacks. They had three quarterbacks that played each of them through a, tar- through a pick. Would, Char- would Aiden O'Connell thrown that interception? I don't believe he would have um, as he prepares for the NFL draft. So I was a little disappointed at the end of, uh, at the end of bowl season. Now, I will say this. The, the two BCS games, I was, I, was, I was just thoroughly entertained with both games. It was hard for me to decipher which one I felt was, was the best. But in my opinion, um, the Peach Bowl between Georgia and Ohio State uh, was was an exceptional ball game. Honestly, uh, head and shoulders uh, to me the best football game of bowl season. Now, as a Tennessee fan, I, I, the Orange Bowl gets a nod. I mean, I, I just think uh, silencing critics doing those things really help uh, help a fan get through an off season, right? And we'll talk a little bit about Tennessee's placement in the Orange Bowl uh, versus what could have been. I, I think uh, the way the Final Four played out, I, I do believe uh, those were. Uh, at this time in the season, uh, the best four teams to, to kind of lock horns. And, and that pains me in some ways. Uh, probably will pain Alabama fans a little bit more. But uh, to me, I, I do think those were the best two games uh, in, in bowl season. I think the Orange Bowl comes in third. Uh, I think Clemson, um, I think we beat them worse if they have ukulele, whatever his name is. Uh, but uh, I, I do like um, – I do like those three games. Uh, I think really you look at Iowa and Kentucky uh, blowout, Alabama blew out, uh, Kansas State. You talk about Purdue, LSU blowout. Um, the Oklahoma, Florida State game lived up to the billing. I thought it was it was pretty tight for a good minute there. Uh, 
but in a general sense, no, I would, uh, if you told me to grade it, unless you gave me some curve and there's no COVID curve on the grind, um, I'm going to, I'm going to rate it at a D. And the only reason is, is with me, you can't fail with football. Uh, it's not going to be, I'll literally, I'll watch bad high school football, uh, if you put it on the TV. So, um, I enjoyed bowl season because there was football on TV, but game quality to me uh, speaks more to the reduction in bowls uh, than it ever would to expansion. And uh, I know that the 12-team playoff possibly will keep more players engaged and have them playing in bowl games. But to me, if that truly happens, and if now, okay, we have 12 teams that have teams in, or players engaged. Because of the Final Four, only one opt-out, from my understanding. Uh, that was the Ohio State receiver. But if that legitimately answers that question, if 12-team playoff makes people play in bowl games, well, then stop. Stop at six bowl games. The New Year's Six will be your finish. And at the end of the day, if you didn't play good enough to get in those six games, then you don't get there. It wouldn't be the first time college football's been there. I think that's a stretch because of the money involved. Uh, but I, I, here's the thing with the and just liking it to the NFL, the XFL, the USFL, the AAF, all these leagues that have generated the differing factor in why one sticks and the rest don't. Quality of play. We've we've crested a, a, a plateau to where quality of play is diminished to a point to where if I'm turning off football games, you got a problem. Yeah, and you know, like I said, in that LSU, that for me, that it, and I'm with you. D as in do it better. Um, when I watched that, because I was excited to see what LSU was going to put on the field for a bowl game with Brian Kelly, um, but when I saw how Purdue's players were playing second, third, or four stringers, um, and how quickly they got blown out 63-7. to uh, Got to do better. Well, and, and you know, kind of on a side note, it's bad when one of my highlights of bowl season was Steve Sarkeesian exploding on a, on a press guy uh, when they were coming on the field. Still don't know what that was all about, but I will say it's Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, he's never known to – he's never been known to be extremely stable, uh, so – I think he fits right in with the Texas fan base. Now, to your point, the Orange Bowl, Joe Milton, 19 for 28, looking good, 251 yards passing, three touchdowns. But my favorite stat of that ball game was we have four guys at the receiving category that are coming back next year that played exceptionally well. The ball was spread out to all four of these guys. Squirrel White, 108 yards receiving with the touchdown. Uh, Ramel Caton looked great, had that one touchdown, 76 yards. Long was a 46. Brew McCoy gets better and better. Um, and then Jacob Warren announced today that he's coming back. Uh, so this offense is going to be pretty exciting to watch next season. Yeah, to that point, uh, uh, Walker Merrill, uh, a former Brentwood guy, he checked into the the, the transfer portal this afternoon. So uh, didn't he – that is not a shock to me. Uh, when you're down your top couple three receivers and you're still not in that depth chart, I think it speaks to, to just where you're at. Not that you're not a, a good player. Again, I think what he did in high school here in the state of Tennessee, it warranted an opportunity to play in the orange. But I think when athletically or uh, scheme-wise, if you're just not meshing at this point, you got to go somewhere where you can make the impact. Hope he stays local. Honestly, I think, you know, an MTSU, and ETSU, he'd go play for Coach uh, GQ. He could play for Quarles. Uh, but I think there's a, there's opportunities where he could he could star at a uh, at a lower-level D1 school. So I wish the best for Walker Merle. But uh, it was funny. During that Orange Bowl game, uh, Squirrel White, you know, had a couple nice plays there back-to-back. And uh, somebody made a reference. And if, if the university gets a hold of this, make the T-shirt, I'll buy it. <laughs> Probably buy it, too. But you remember the song Ray Stevens made The Day the Squirrel Went Berserk? I don't remember that. Off air, you got to listen to it. The Day the Squirrel Went Berserk. Uh, one of the lines is in, uh, it's in a sleepy little old town of Pasacoola, but uh, it's in Oklahoma mm. town. But uh, he, uh, yeah, that was a, it's a, it's a Weird Al type song. 
but it's it's funny and uh you gotta hook in when you got a nickname like squirrel like we could have all kinds of t-shirts but uh but anyway i'm excited for what tennessee football did uh, of course coming back to the orange bowl living up to the moment the the defense was probably the most shocking and shining moment of that bowl game uh the way we were able to really harass club nick at every turn i uh, had him on his back probably more than he was upright i think by the end of the first half as laura said uh he was looking at, at Dabo, and there was three of them and she said just talk to the one in the middle <laughs> yeah four sacks in the game so uh good job by our defense well and, and that's four sacks i think there was there was probably as many if not more uh, where he was releasing it while he was getting blistered. So Yeah, we talked a little bit about when you get in that pocket, um, you either go left or right or you step up in the pocket. You don't run away from the pocket and throw off your back foot to a wide receiver. And uh, so that means you're that means you're running for your life. He was running for his life. Yeah, and what about uh, what about old Beasley? Uh stepped in there, took uh, really that Jeremy Banks role. Uh, was middle linebacker putting people in position, and to me, uh, very little penalties against our defense there in the Orange Bowl, and also people were where they needed to be. Uh, I, I don't think uh, he's not going to step in and make our secondary better, so uh, I don't put that on Beasley. But as far as no gaping holes like we saw in South Carolina, I think that's a credit to Beasley. To me, if there was a defensive player of the game, he would have gotten it for me. Absolutely. I think he, you know, my, my biggest concern, I think we talked a little bit about it, was not having that Mike linebacker um, and and how Beasley would react to that because we saw some concerns with that in the South Carolina game. He handled it very well with his gap assignments, but not only with his gap assignments, they, they were very deceptive on their, uh, their blitz uh, package. Um, they would bring Beasley, they would bring corners. Um, so uh, the pressure was something that was just constant on Club Nick the whole ball game. Well, and and I will give Clemson some credit. You know, they never they never gave up. They continued to fight. I, I love the Shipley kid. Uh, you talk about one that plays all out, uh, full tilt, uh, puts his body on the line. Uh, to me, he was impressive. He was a uh, he was a Hunter Renfro uh, after Hunter Renfro. Like he he didn't look like he should be that. Uh, Really, that aggressive, that strong, that uh, that quick in some in some cases, but he was he was fun to watch and and like I said, put it out there. I think Klubnik will get better. I think there's there's ability there. I think he's got raw talent. That was the first time he'd ever lost a football game. Did you know that? No. Thirty five and zero. Ever lost in high school as a starter? Uh, junior senior year, I think he was a starter. Maybe some in his his sophomore year there. Uh, so he'd never lost a football game since uh, middle school. So uh, Big Orange able to put that on him. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Tennessee is Orange Bowl champs, uh, was able to do it in fairly convincing fashion. We didn't have to to wait for a, a late field goal not to go or to go. Uh, and we get to 11 wins. First 11-win season since 2001. Uh, huge momentum shift there in the recruiting trail in the next year's kind of perception as we head into the offseason spring ball and ultimately the wrap-up of this 2023 recruiting cycle. Uh, I like where Tennessee sits. I, I don't know that Tennessee's in that, uh, you know, of, of college football. I still think we're probably in that tier two. And I know if, if anybody's watching me, they're, they're questioning my fandom and all the stuff behind me. Uh, but in my – in I'm a realist. I, I think I think we're still uh, secondary play away. I still think we're uh, you know we're going to have to replace quite a bit on offensive line and some of our skill position. I think I think until you you don't feel those graduation pains, and I think you know what I mean by that. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to consistently compete in and out. But now I do think I do think uh, he's created a culture that's a uh, you know that's an eight nine win culture floor. I mean, I really do believe that. One great problem that we have, and I, I don't even, I don't even classify it as a problem. One, one advantage we have uh, going into next season, we know who the quarterback is going to be at the start of the season. Yeah, there's going to be some competition. They got some young guys um, that have been added to the roster, some high-profile names. Uh, but when you look around the SEC, Wayne, 
you look at, you know, Florida's going to be replacing their quarterback. Kentucky's going to be replacing their quarterback. Georgia hasn't had a great reputation for developing their quarterback, so they're going to be replacing their quarterback. Um, Tennessee, in that locker room, if you're a player on that roster, Joe's our guy. And we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to gossip in the locker room and say, you know, who's going to be quarterback this year? I wonder who's going to be the guy. They know who the guy's going to be. And uh, I think that's going to help us. I mean, this is a team that in the bowl game went four for four in the red zone. I mean, that was a stat. When I looked at the stat sheet, I've been looking for us to to go into a big game and just be perfect in the red zone, four for four in that ball game. Yeah, and I thought, uh, you know, there were some ticky-tack fouls. Again, a uh, couple, three in the secondary where it's if you don't make the P.I., uh, he's probably going to score. So <laughs> a couple of those that I don't, I don't fault. Uh, I give it the old, uh, it's better to give you 15 than give you seven. And and to me, uh, that was a couple. But I only had nine penalties wholesale. Uh, I think some of those, one was on Josh Heupel, which, again, uh, sounded like there was a Big Ten official that had a little bit of soft skin. Uh, but uh, that I'd rather I'd rather have a coach that's got one on him in the first quarter than a guy that just takes, sits there and takes it all game. So uh, love what Josh Heupel's done with this team. I uh, love the fight that he brought to Miami. I uh, love what, what he got to carry back to Knoxville. And, and again, an Orange Bowl championship, uh, that's a springboard piece because, one, you got the practices for Nico and those early enrollees, guys that, that could come down there and, and be part of your program. But I think bigger, bigger picture, uh, you, you put a lot of things on film of how you lost Alex Goldish. You lost your offensive coordinator. Uh, there was players that opted out, Tillman, Hyatt. Uh, the Bolitnikoff Award winner didn't play in the football game, and you beat a number seven-ranked Clemson team. Now, did they have a – you know, you can – I think anybody can salt away things with excuses, but at the end of the day, uh, when you line it up 20 years from now, they're going to say, did you win the Orange Bowl or did you lose it? And Tennessee gets to look at them and say, we won it. So uh, that's, a, that's an exciting time there. Uh, but uh, the granddaddy of them all, uh, not the Rose Bowl, uh, but uh, the football playoff did happen. And, and, and to my estimation, Ben, and you may think differently, uh, the best Final Four I've ever seen. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably the best two games. Typically, one's a blowout and one's kind of close, or maybe both blowouts get into the championship game. But in this year's matchup, I think Michigan sleptwalked, sleepwalked into the to the to the Final Four, expecting to just mop the floor with TCU. I think media in general had kind of lived up to that, uh, and TCU came to play. I thought Dugan and and that bunch that that receiver they have, uh, he's he's a first second round pick, uh, great receiver there. I thought their defense played very good, harassed old McCarthy, um, really made it to where. Uh, Michigan looked pretty one-dimensional for a good portion of that football game. And uh, if it wasn't for some late heroics, it wouldn't even have been close. TCU really had their their way there. Uh, but TCU punches their ticket. Uh, looks like they're still not getting much love. Sent you a couple videos earlier today. The one only Mike Griffith out of Athens, uh, he, he wanted to, to say how bad uh, that – he said it should be good that TCU's got the opportunity to play Georgia – uh, a, a school like this should should kind of hold to this um, this opportunity because they may not be back here for twenty five or thirty years. And I was like, Mike, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I mm-hmm. mean, legitimately, I think the last time they were in a championship game might have been in the '80s. So I mean, his numbers aren't far off. The problem is you don't say that on national TV and you don't say it before the football game. Uh, mm-hmm. So to me. Uh, I love the the fight that TCU is going to carry here in the next uh, next Monday. That is, uh, I like what they've got. And honestly, Michigan, uh, talk about laying an egg. Uh, they're they're better than the Easter Bunny. Uh, they've got six straight bowl losses uh, under Jim Harbaugh. They haven't won a bowl game since I think 2015. It's something ridiculous. I mean, I've been at my current job longer uh, than it's been since Michigan, uh, or less than the time that it's taken Michigan to win a bowl game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's had two uh, Final Four appearances, two early exits, uh, and and word on the street is is he's looking uh, to to maybe jump to the NFL. What did you think about the Michigan-TCU game? 
So I think Garrett uh, Riley, the offensive coordinator for uh, and Sonny Dykes for TCU, have a very deadly combination, um, especially coming into this game uh, against Georgia uh, with with Max Dugan and uh, with uh, Quentin Johnson. Um, I think you know Johnson had those uh, six receptions. I think it was for like 160 plus yards, um, and uh, the secondary for Georgia. You know, has been suspect as of late, but in that in that in that game, that TCU Michigan game, and you talked about this is is what's it like to be a Michigan fan? You know, you you have the highest of highs. You beat the one you beat the one team all year that you say, you know, no matter what happens this year, we're going to Ohio State and we're going to beat Ohio State. Yeah, you did that, and you checked that box, and you checked that several times over, and uh, now all you got to do is get into CFP play, beat a TCU team that lost to Kansas State in their uh, conference championship. The same Kansas State that Alabama blew out. I mean, like, yeah. not even close. Yeah. And uh, it was just disappointing, especially uh, the quarterback play for Michigan was not up to par, and it was exploited in that ball game. And uh, – you know, it's going to make for a good BCS game. Good championship game is on the horizon. You're telling your age, Ben. You keep calling it a BCS. Game. Oh yeah, it's... I'll I'll say that I've never thought I would miss the BCS era, but honestly, the last couple seasons of bowl games, I I don't know that I'm I don't miss it. But uh, but man, uh, but a great game. TCU punches their ticket, so they're one half of the championship game, and they just get to sit back and kind of see who they're going to play. I think. Uh, foregone conclusion. Everybody expected uh, Georgia to make that 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 next ticket, but really, uh, you talk about the quarterback for Ohio State. You talk about that bunch, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that defense. Uh, I was very impressed with what Ohio State put out. I thought they poured it all out. They left it on the field. At the end of the day, you play that thing ten times over. I think it's, you know, six wins for one team, five for the other, and you can flip a coin on who that's going to be. But I think two very evenly matched teams. You know, I think Georgia, honestly, they didn't play their best game, so I think they can improve their output if you play that thing over and over again. Stetson Bennett obviously didn't have his best game. But to me, you do what you got to do to win football games. I thought Ohio State did enough to win that football game just for whatever reason, whether it's the ghost of Vince Dooley, whether it's the the the, the aura of Kirby Smart, <laughs> whether it's just a, or, or whether it's just like the reigning champion gets the calls. You know, I'm not I don't I don't know that I remember any of those, uh, but it just seemed like when things went south. It went south really quick for Ohio State, and Georgia seemed to always be right there. And so, to me, enter a mile, winning's winning. Georgia punched the ticket. Georgia gets through to that one. But that's a game that I've actually went back and watched, you know, little 10-minute, 15-minute clips of, and you can't find a person that hates Ohio State much more than me. You can't find a person that really dislikes Georgia. I don't hate them. I mean, honestly, in the grand scheme of Tennessee hatred, Usually Georgia lets us win one every now and again. So uh, I don't hate them. But that game, for me to go back and watch it, tells me what what kind of quality that it was. I thought what Stetson Bennett did and really his composure is something that I can appreciate. I, I don't I, – I'm not going to lie to you. I think he's – a lot of people say, well, he's a poor man's Joe Burrow. I was like, I'm not sure he's a poor man's poor man's Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's that good. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback, but I do think he's a uh, he's kind of got ice water in his veins. I think he can let it slow down, and he's a uh, and I just throw some shade on him because I thought he was doing it in our Orange Bowl. I mean, he's a poor man's Greg McElroy. That's what mm-hmm. he. Uh, he's a game manager. Uh, he has top notch talent everywhere around him. He has great coaching. Uh, and in spite of all that, he still didn't didn't win the football game. But uh, but Stetson Bennett didn't have his best day, but his defense picked him up, uh, pushed some things. I think that Marvin Harrison play, in in a lot of ways, that Marvin Harrison Jr., the hit on the goal line or the back of the end zone that really it got knocked loose, it's incomplete. 
I think they attempt a field goal or something. Uh, that's that's the that's the play in the game that changed it. Not anything the offense did. Not any kind of explosive play. That play right there changed the game. Yeah, and you know I, I think about Stetson Bennett on that seventy-six yard pass to Alden Smith, um, and then the two point the two point play to 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 Lad to to McConkie to go thirty-eight to thirty-five. But that that pass in the slot where he placed that football to Smith. Um, just right over that back shoulder, just the anticipation that the safety was going to be covered on the opposite shoulder, and he placed it there in such a key part of the game where you had to get downfield quick. You didn't have that much time. Um, I felt like Stetson Bennett did not have as good of a game as uh, Stroud did. Stroud had more touchdowns. He he had a better passer rating. Um, but at the end of the game, the guy that, that you know came back from the deficit, you know, 21-7 to after the first half, Ohio State has the lead, 38 to 24, going into the fourth quarter. Ohio State has the lead. Stitson Bennett was the guy who brought that team back to win that ball game. Yeah, and and you know people are like, well, if we'd have had Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, we'd have won the football game. And people probably heard this before, but if a frog had wings, it wouldn't bust its tail when it hops. Yeah, it just—it's one of those. You play for 60 minutes and the outcomes happen the way they happen. Um, arguably, uh, you, you can talk to Georgia. There were some people who weren't weren't full goes uh, for the dogs. Uh, Tennessee, uh, yeah, Joe had a great game. But would we have loved to have had a Jeremy Banks at middle linebacker? Would we have loved to have Jalen Hyatt uh, you know, at receiver? Would we have loved to have some cushion? Sometimes you just got to suck it up and try to make it work. And to me, like you said, went into the fourth quarter with a big lead. And just couldn't hold it. You weren't coming from behind. You weren't. Uh, you didn't come up just a few minutes short. If you'd had more time, you'd have, you'd have won the football game. No, you you ran out of gas. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Georgia just uh, just had more more to give. So uh, to me, this is a huge uh, national championship game. I mean, obviously, me and Mike Griffith couldn't be uh, too farther apart. Uh, people in this uh, in this discussion, I think TCU's got something to play for. I think they're on house money. Uh, I think you know Sonny Dykes in year one, uh, he set a bar for himself that I, I I don't know over the next four or five years he can hold. But TCU competing in this football game is their season made, and, and so I I don't think they're looking at it going, oh man, what if we don't do this or what if we don't do that. <laughs> What if we don't score on these guys? No, they're they're going letting it all hang out. Dugan is going to be the next Andy Dalton. He's the red rifle going into this this next season. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he is going to have a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's shown uh, that when things get thick, he can he can pull his team through. And and I love the fight in this kid. Like I said, I don't know that he has all the tools to be an NFL prospect or a huge NFL prospect. But I, I think he's a winner, and, and in some in some cases in college football, that's all you need. Ask Tim Tebow. Uh, maybe didn't make it the the full score in the NFL, but in college, uh, if if you had two minutes and needed needed score, uh, you went with Tim Tebow. And so uh, I like uh, I like TCU's mantra. I like their carriage uh, going into this national championship game. Georgia uh, again, they found a rabbit's foot somewhere. They have luck on their side. Uh, they are the defending champs, so I think uh, the eye for execution will be in favor of the red and black. I think uh, you know uh, it, it's like when you play Alabama; uh, they will hold on every play. Tennessee better not hold. Uh, so I think TCU is going to be under the microscope a little bit, but I think freedom of play, uh, really having some adversity in front of them most of the season. They played in tight games. I think six of their you know, six of their seven wins or, or six or seven of their wins were one score games. Uh, Georgia doesn't have necessarily that uh, to show for their, their season. So um, I don't know that I'm ready to pick TCU, Ben, uh, but I know this is going to shock you and people may not like this, but I'm rooting for the Horn Frogs. Entitlement's something I can't stand, and right now the dogs have it. So you know me very well. I like to look at numbers and study numbers before I make any decision, right? And yeah, I'm and I'm a horn frog 
uh, fan of what I see on paper. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, when I saw that last run by, by Stroud, by C.J. Stroud, the 27-yard run to put them in field goal uh, position, I immediately thought of Dugan. Uh, Dugan is a better runner than Stroud. It's on paper. He is a better runner than C.J. Than Stroud is. He's going to run on this Georgia defense. And not to mention, I talked about Riley. Riley's going to have Max Dugan throwing to Quentin Johnson. And they better put Kamal Lester from Georgia as the corner on him because if they put Keeley Ringo on him, uh, he's going to get eaten alive uh, back there in the secondary. That secondary in the LSU game gave up 502 yards passing uh in the in the lsu sec championship game in the os in this in this last bowl game 348 yards uh the bulldogs on the bulldogs side of the football okay they only ran the ball 26 times the lowest amount of times that they ran the football since the oregon game so i expect them to run the ball more uh the reason why i expect them to run the ball more they're probably going to be without darnell washington washington left the game in the first quarter with that ankle injury. And one one thing that Georgia has been touted about all season long is their two tight ends. If if you're a linebacker and you got two guys at tight end and then you've got Smith out here wide receiver, you, you've got to expand your coverage in your secondary or your backer core. Those backers are just going to be on Brock Bowers. And uh, you remember during that ball game, Kirk Herbstreit just kept kept saying, where's Brock Bowers? Where's Brock Bowers? Well, it's easy to cover Brock Bowers when you don't have a Darnell Washington, a guy that has 20, 25 receptions for 403 yards. I mean, uh, a huge tight end. So to me, if Darnell Washington doesn't play, it's going to make it very easy to get pressure on Stetson Bennett and uh, cause similar problems that they had. And it'll, it, it'll, go, it'll fall on his shoulders. And I'm like you, this Max Dugan, uh, this Johnston, this Riley offensive coordinator offense, nobody has been able to stop them. They have an ability to put points up. Uh, they don't give up. And uh, I'm I'm with the Horn Frogs, buddy. Really? I kind of thought I was going to be out on a limb. But, uh, you know, hey, maybe great minds think alike. So uh, that immediately tells anybody who's watching this, put your money on the dogs. That's what that's <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but man, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I think bowl season, I always, even though it, it may be underwhelmed, I'm still disappointed that we only have one more game. But, man, uh, excited to see what that looks like. And I think as uh, soon as we, uh, soon as that one goes final, I'm going to be counting down the days to, to spring football. And then uh, I think I'm going to check out a little XFL, a little USFL. Go, there you go. You know, the, uh, the USFL has the Memphis Showboats now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, oh. well, I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing some scouting around the local area, watching watching some prep football action during the offseason. I think the spring's gonna be good for that. But Ben, uh, again, failed at our attempt to hit 30 minutes, but we do have this week's big time grind. Again, if you're if you're enjoying what you've heard, if you're still hanging with us, one, you're really resilient. But two, you need to follow us on our on our outlets. We've got Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The Grind on Sports. Search it on any of those, and you'll find us just the same. Uh, we do have archive shows. This is episode five, so uh, math would tell you there's four other ones you can watch. And then, uh, uh, of course, if you continue to like us, we try to drop one of these on Wednesdays, uh, hoping to get maybe by Friday, going to get an NFL exclusive uh, podcast out. That's going to be with uh, my buddy Josh. Uh, we'll see if he has an alter ego or an avatar he's wanting to roll with, but uh, – <laughs> At this point, he will be my buddy, Josh. But uh, this week's Big Time Grind, going to change it a little bit here for 23. A topic, and we're just going to pick a way. You know, we may be on the same side of the coin. We may be different. But really, one, where do you stand on it? And two, give me a couple reasons why you feel that way. This week's Big Time Grind, uh, what was the better or what would have been the better building block for Tennessee football? Orange Bowl champs, which is the reality or, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. could we have made the college football playoff, possibly drop that first game, which would have been the, the, better, um, the, the better outcome for the program? Uh, not necessarily, you know, I think everybody wants to win championships, but if you know going into it, you win the Orange Bowl, 
or you go to the college football playoff and drop round one, what do you think is better for the program? I'm going to take the current state of the balls, the Orange Bowl champs. Um, and the reason why I'm taking that, Wayne, is all the storylines that led up to where we currently are today. Um, so there were a lot of storylines, uh, the Hendon Hooker uh, injury, um, the issue with Jeremy Banks playing in the South Carolina, not playing in the South Carolina game. Um, we had some opt-outs going into the bowl game, Tillman and Hyatt. Uh, so we had a lot of adversity, but we showed people that even with that adversity, even with the media outlets that went on Twitter and Facebook and said, hey, um, Tennessee should be in that, Tennessee is getting robbed. They should be in the college football playoff. Nobody from the Tennessee program went on social media and chimed in their opinion. Heupel was very quiet about it. He said, we're just going to go about our business and play football. Joe Milton's our quarterback. And uh, we took care of business. And we took care of business with three former national champions this season. Um, and we did it handedly. Uh, so I like where we're at uh, in retrospect to you get into a college football playoff appearance and to be honest with you i don't know if we come even close to a michigan team that's fully healthy i don't know if we come close to ohio state uh i think georgia is superior to us right now where we're where we're at as a program um so i like going to a big time bowl game like the orange bowl becoming champs bringing that trophy back and let's get ready for next season i i agree uh and and in this in this particular grind we're going we're going to be on the same side of the coin i i think we we finished out in the best possible scenario and i mean what i mean by that is people young people new emerging fans fans that have been through a lot we all have the the ever-present want to win uh i i don't care people say well quit playing cupcakes in in the regular season those are my favorite games I, i'm I love playing Georgia. I love playing Florida, and I like beating them. But there's no more comforting feeling than a 30-point lead. Uh, being able to chill back and say, "Guys, this you know big plays happen," and you're like, "Oh, that's the fifth touchdown of the day." Like that, that's where you want to be in a general sense. But this was not that. We played a Clemson team that was number seven in the country. We beat them in in what arguably was speculated was a better quarterback situation. Even though he was a freshman, they they touted him as the heir apparent, you know, ukulele. I'm, gonna call, I'm calling him that on purpose. Uh, he is, he's gone, you know, but he, he, you know, he wasn't ready to play, da-da-da-da-da. So to me, everybody wants to go play for a winner. Uh, what happened with Michigan? They made it to two straight college football playoff appearances. They dropped those two games, and we don't talk about how They've had a great season. They beat Ohio State. Maybe that's what's happening in Ann Arbor, but it's not happening nationally. What's talked about is Jim Harbaugh's leaving, and he hasn't won a bowl game since 2015. Mm -hmm. That's the narrative. It's not great season, undefeated, lose to a, a really good TCU that found a way. No, it's your coach is leaving, and you still aren't good enough. That's the narrative that the media paints, the, the fan base paints. And, and honestly, uh, Tennessee, and I I am a card-carrying member, <laughs> Ball Nation, we're kind of we're kind of crazy. We've got a little bit of we got a little crazy there. And uh the the kind of the crazy scary matrix kind of <laughs> you up, but uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I love where we ended because again, uh, we fought adversity and, and arguably um, yeah, do you want to beat South Carolina? It's always one of those, uh, you look at your schedule. We lost to a team that is playing in the national championship game and South Carolina, who ultimately, even though they dropped their bowl game, they found something at the end of the season that made them a pretty hard, hard out for anybody. But, uh, you know, I like where we're at because there was never a game we gave up on. There was never a game where we got in a fight because we didn't like the outcome. There was never a situation to where you looked and you weren't proud of the way the guys played. And at the end of the day, Josh Heupel and company, like you said, kept quiet, went about their business, handled it in a good way, 
and were rewarded with a, with a big with an Orange Bowl championship that they're going to sell for for at least this offseason going into next season. Now there's expectations. Now season ticket sales are up. Uh, facilities are getting improved. Uh, there's a swagger about Tennessee football again. I think it, it, we could have beaten South Carolina, and the story may not have played out as good as it has. Yeah, and just one point to add to that: if you go on, if you go online and you watch the social media reaction to the Clemson fan base, they're starting to have the discussion about their coaching staff. And they're starting to have this discussion of uh, kind of very similar to where where uh, we were with Philip Fulmer uh, when we started getting away from those ten and two seasons, and and we're starting to see that with Dabo now. Um, he got out coached, so uh, I like I like where we're at. I like the statement that we made against LSU this year, fifty two forty nine against Bama, and we dominated against Clemson. Yeah, I think ultimately that that stat that I'd put on a T-shirt, a billboard, and I'd put it all over anywhere that let me stick it is uh, three of the four last uh, national champions uh, lost to the Big Orange this season. So uh, I like I like that look, I like that feel. But a big uh, national championship finale uh, to college football will be on the ninth, Monday the ninth. Uh, again, I don't know who schedules these things on Mondays. I don't know if if the the rest of the world has two <laughs> off and nobody tells us, but uh, we'll, we'll drag in a little later there Tuesday morning, uh, but I'll be excited to watch the finish. Like I said, ho- I'm hooking with the Horn Frogs, and I'm uh, uh, like I said, does that make me go against the SEC? Well, if it does, it does. This is the the only. There's no S, E, or C in this logo, so mm-hmm. hey, uh, I'm Tennessee, and if that means going against Georgia, that's what it means. But uh, man, it was fun talking again. Like I said, you'll have to check out. If we get this NFL edition in, give us some critiques there. Uh, But, man, always fun. You continue to add to your background. See a little Red Rebels back in the background. Always uh, appreciative of that. Uh, But, Ben, uh, hope you have a good night, man. And, uh, and again, uh, grind on. But uh, you got anything to add here at the end? No, man. Have a great evening. Good talking with you tonight. And I hope uh, the listeners continue to listen to us. Hey, and if you have enjoyed, uh, again, if you've hung out with us for about 50 minutes here, uh, continue to do so. Like I said, four other episodes on our YouTube channel, The Grind on Sports. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter, The Grind on Sports. Uh, like I said, I don't guarantee to ever break any news for you, but I can tell you uh, we will have opinions that come from the bleachers and maybe the nose, nosebleeds, but it will be fan-driven uh, discussion. But if you've enjoyed today, we've enjoyed giving it to you. And, and again, uh, until next time, grind on.